There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. What? Oh, I was just laughing because nothing. Because I got it down now? No, just because the, the look the on episode. your face when you went through it. Oh, where oh. you can see me like my eyes are kind of in the back of my head. I'm trying to remember all the words that I need to say. Yes, that, yeah, yeah. that look. We're back. We haven't done this in like three weeks. Uh, it's been a while. Because this is the first show we're recording after we've actually gone live onto the interwebs. Yay! Welcome to the interwebs. Well, they've been listening for a while now. Welcome to us, to the interwebs. So, you may have noticed in our intro, we have one of the stars of Buffy giving us a little soundbite. How did we get that soundbite? It was a little traumatic, only for me. But we did it! Because I was lazy. Yeah, because somebody said, I have to run the table. You have to go ask the guy for a soundbite. And how'd that go? I got a soundbite! Yeah, and um, why don't you walk us through that? (laughs) So we got Nicholas Brendan, he's off, he's has a panel, he's doing signatures, all that stuff. You all right, saunter so on up to him. let's start at the beginning. I did. Nope, we're starting the at the sauntering. beginning of this weekend, in which we had gotten up at 4.30 in the morning so that we could make it down to this show. We'd worked the whole show on Saturday. We were back at it on Sunday morning, and I was bands. tired. And so we're going to start with that context. You convinced me to go ask him for a sound bite. Makes it like it was a long ordeal. It's like, hey, you want to do this thing instead of me? Oh, no. Well, you planted the idea on Saturday, so I would have, like, a whole day to think about it, to be fair. Yeah. I didn't come up with the idea until Saturday. (laughs) So, anyway. Should have thought of it before. Used a better recording device. (laughs) I go over there with my phone, and I'm nervous because I don't like asking people for things. And I was like, hey. He was like, do you want an autograph? And I was like, no, thanks. But... Can you do a soundbite for me? My husband and I do a podcast. Have we said that before? No. This guy and I do this podcast. You have shattered the world. (laughs) We do this podcast together about reading all the Buffy comics chronologically. And I know you're a writer on some of it. And it'd be really awesome if you could do a little sound clip for us. And he was like, so what do you want me to say? And I was like, hey, can you just be like, hey, this is Nicholas. And you're listening to the Buffy back issue bin. Except that I kind of panicked and just picked a last name to go with Nicholas that I'd heard around a lot because why not? I picked Nicholas Holt. His name is Nicholas Brendan. Anyway, so um, he... which would have been a much better sound bite if it was Nicholas Brendan going, "Hi, I'm Nicholas Holt." <laughs> so he does the thing. I wish he had done so that one So he has this weird look on his face. So to give me a little credit, just here... to be clear, it's entirely your fault. Oh, it's totally my fault. I felt mm-hmm. awful. So he did a sound clip, and I said, I am so sorry that I screwed up your name. And he goes, I've been called worse. And it was very kind of him. And I walked back with my face the color of a lobster, and I was mortified. And I still am mortified. Very mortified. Nicholas Brendan, if you're listening to this, I'm very, very sorry. And you're not. I'm very, 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 very sorry. (laughs) I'm just going to keep saying that I'm very sorry until somebody passes the message along (laughs) to you that I'm very sorry. Even though I said it to your face, I still feel very sorry. I would like to send you a note telling you how sorry I am, but that seems like overkill. Yeah. But I got a sound clip. We did. And, we, and there's a story to go with it. And we've used it ever since. So there you go. But that interaction aside, let's get into the book. So today's book is 
Angel After the Fall, Volume 3. Is that really just it? Yeah. The, right. No, there's no special subtitle on here. Unless you want to throw the season six thing on long. there. No, no, I don't know. I'm all done. Volume three is good enough. So, for a recap, because it's been a while since we were here, where we left off, this is post-Angel season five. Everyone has come back in one form or another. Most of them, as it's put in this book, wrong. Angel is human. Illyria is apparently sharing a body with Fred. They keep on switching personalities back and forth. Gunn is a vampire. Wesley is dead and brought back as a ghost who's working for Wolfram and Hart. Lauren's good. Spike's fine. Also fine. Aside from the two of them. Yeah. Connor has all of his memories back. And he's been... And his long hair. It's grown. It has grown. And I guess there's not shampoo and conditioner hell because I think it's greasier. It's very greasy. Anyway. And that's the other side of it. Los Angeles is in hell. The last time we left them because we're finally back at the main plot. No more diverging away from it. Everyone was having a big fight. It's the first time everyone's been together. And in some cases, the last time everyone's going to be together, literally ever. So enjoy the, Sad. <laughs> these moments. Way to put a damper on this. Uh, sorry, but well, as of right now, could change. These books are still going. But where we left off, we see Illyria reverting into Fred in the mass of, of a gigantic battle royale with cheese. What? You didn't see that movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Pulp Fiction. Oh. When I lived in France, one of my favorite pizzas is called a Pizza Royale. And that's all I was thinking about. It had an egg on top. But yeah, that's where we left. This was a cliffhanger, and then a bunch of other comics happened, and we haven't seen the resolution of that cliffhanger ever since. And the battle continues. Here we go. So everybody kind of steps up to save Fred immediately, because Fred is a human. Fred is injurable. Fred is a 90-pound lady. Fred is tiny. Illyria, while tiny, is terrifying. So we like Illyria in battle situations more. That's that's really what happens in the first part. Well, without going blow by blow, essentially everyone steps forward to protect Fred. And in the middle of this, all of the lords of Los Angeles have sent their champions to fight. And they're like, um, you're cheating by getting all of your friends to help what was supposed to be a one-on, like, seven battle. Not a super fair battle, but it's the rules they agreed to. So they decide, rules are off, we're going to kill all of the humans that are watching this battle. And so, Gunn is still watching from his rooftop. And we see that Gunn had a plan for this battle, and this battle is not going to according to his plan. So he's just going to kill Angel instead from afar with a crossbow. Yep. And then Angel remembers the... Well, is, this was his plan all along. Okay, he doesn't really remember, but he decides to use <laughs> Angel his... Angel remembers his plan. He decides to use his ace in the hole. Which actually, he acted like this... Everyone showing up to help Angel actually in no way helps Angel. No, because he had a plan all along. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. Like, why would you get yourself into this if you didn't have a plan? And the last time we saw these characters, everyone had gathered together something called a Hagen Shaft, which is something used to kill immortals, so if the battle went south, they could all point these at Angel and kill the immortal vampire. Mm-hmm. But we find out very quickly <laughs> that that's not exactly what they do. Well, it is. Angel just turns them against everyone and makes them kind of explode immortal hand grenades. Yeah, exactly. He turns them into kind of a self-sacrifice situation, yep. except they don't know what's happening. Which is what they were designed for. Like, if people were going to lose, they would take these Hagen shafts and blow themselves up. But all the lords thought that they were designed to kill other immortals, not the one holding them. So, basically, the lords blow themselves up. Well, only one of them doesn't do it, which is the Lone Shark from an episode of Buffy. Yeah, which is a <laughs> weird lord to bring back, but good for him. He made it. His whole career as a pun figured that was the one with the least integrity. Yeah. The battle wraps up. 
Spike sends all of his ladies in. And they basically just kind of mop up the mess. But everyone's together for the first time. Angel leaves. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. Lauren stays behind and is elected mayor. Mm-hmm. And Angel returns home. Well, the home we haven't seen in a good long while. But he returns back to the hotel. We're back at the Hyperion. It's lovely. And I like that they even have that weird little circle bench sitting thingy in the middle of it. Yeah, they, like, I found that very comforting. They left the Hyperion and apparently none of the furniture changed when they were gone. Yeah. And the other thing that we find back at the Hyperion is Wes's body. His, his physical super, corpse. His, um, the body that got gutted. Yeah. Not good. But we do find his physical corpse. Illyria wants to see it. Or Wes wants to show it to her. And... And immediately it makes her turn from Fred back into Illyria. And she feels very strongly about it. And something I do want to touch on here, because it's going to come up. For most of the art in the series, it's probably about closer to 60-40, but the artist that I associate this most with is Franco Uru. And this art was done by Nick Runge, who we saw work before on one of the First Night stories. He is either the best artist ever, or a man trying to draw mashed potatoes in the shape of people. It varies from panel to panel. It does. There's some stuff that he does that looks that's clearly photo referenced, then it looks perfect. It looks exactly like the actors, and there's some amazing, gorgeous panels. And then some that look like mush. Well, the thing is that most of it is gorgeous panels. And so the 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 confusingly drawn people show up a little bit more yeah the people who have like no defining facial features like face like things eyes happen on faces also mouths i'd be totally cool if that were his style the whole time but the style changes drastically from panel to panel and that's what throws me off yeah and some of it looks incredible and some of it if you're giving like these things out of context you would never be able to identify who was who yeah but which is weird because in he the Wesley story that he did over in First Night, amazing. Looks incredible. I really like most of it, yeah. Yeah, and man, some of this stuff, some individual panels are the best that we see in this entire series, and then also some of the worst. It's just an odd mix. Yes, I don't know. I don't know if there was like deadlines or what, but he's a guy who can knock it out of the park like no other, and then someone who looks like they were on a deadline. Who knows? So Illyria and Wes are talking about Wes's body. And basically Wes is like, I saved it because I thought that maybe I could use it to break my contract with Wolfram and Hart. Even though they all know what's going on, they're there, but maybe I could use it somehow. So Wes goes to the city limits. Wolfram and Hart allows him to do this, and this is one of the most touching moments in the entire series for this run. I loved it, and this is some of that dialogue that's just worth reading. I attempted to contact the powers that be. More specifically, someone who worked alongside them. Someone who, if at all possible, could help us. I didn't tell Angel of my plan. He can't bring himself to say her name. I figured the last thing he'd want is for her to get dragged into this. I also figured doing it in Los Angeles' fashion district could help my chances. (laughs) I liked that part. (laughs) I know, I love it. I didn't have the incantation memorized, so I couldn't consult books, so I didn't know if I could pull it off. And for hours, it appeared that I most definitely had not. I wasn't surprised. Wolf my heart knew what I was doing. And the fact that they didn't stop it meant they knew nothing would come of it. But then, then I felt a breeze. I felt it. Only the most aesthetically pleasing leaves took to the air. She wanted me to know that she was listening. That was all she could offer. 
and like that she was gone this is to me probably the most touching part of the whole book i think there's a more touching part but we're not there yet i know but to me this was more touching Uh, honestly i I love it this is such good storytelling they don't beat you over the head with it they don't spend too long on it it's a thing and you know exactly what he's talking about you know exactly why he's doing what he's doing and you know exactly who she is it's such a cordelia thing to just get the most aesthetically pleasing leaves to blow in the wind be like you know not the gross ones <laughs> cordelia is a thing that and for those who don't know cordelia one of the longest running characters was around for seven years plus a guest spot one of the most important characters in this show and she died Mm-hmm. and she cannot be overused in death right i cannot overstate how this character should be never used or sparingly used very sparingly so something like this is small and it's the first indication in a long time she packs such an there. emotional punch that you can't it, it would ruin it yeah you can't just like call her like cordelia what should we do yeah so i, lo- I love this it's small and it's tiny and then Illyria starts freaking out and she starts time jumping and we see Wes and Fred back at Wolfram and Hart. Amazing looking panel. Mm-hmm. And she picks up Wesley's body and she's so attached to him. Like She just says, you're staying with me. Yeah. Yep. It's lovely. I just, I don't know. I love so much of this whole story of all of After the Fall centers on Illyria's confusion around Wesley's death. Her confusion around that death and her reaction to it drives 90% of the story forward. Well, I remember you telling me when we were watching Angel that all of the scenes between Illyria and Wesley were written exclusively by Joss. And that's what it, that's what I thought of when I read this I don't know. piece. I don't know if this part was written exclusively by Joss, but it made me think about how that relationship was so important to the whole dynamic of that world. Because Whedon's still working on the book, but I know in the beginning of the book, he was a lot more hands-on with like scripting the dialogue and as it went on he got a little more lax with saying hey brian lynch you're good at writing this stuff we've agreed on this story together why don't we have all the beats down you go to the scripting and he might have done that here too but it just made me think of, no idea. of that the importance that he placed on that particular relationship and it always makes me watch out for it a little bit more <laughs> but we move on to the next day everyone has been sleeping in the hyperion Except for Connor, because he said he didn't want to move back in with his dad like a loser. Fair. Super fair. And he's already living with his dad's ex-girlfriend, so... Awkward. <laughs> it's not creepy like that, though. No. He already slept with his dad's love interest I once. was going to say, we already went past the creepy <laughs> level, so it's fine. And it's snowing, both here and in the comic. Oh, <laughs> yes, in real life we're having a blizzard. Yeah, we are. But Lorne made it snow accidentally, because he's trying to... Put the same spell that he put on Silver Lake on all of L.A. The Lauren dialogue is so great. What was it? Are magic men hopeless when know. they should have focused? Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. It's such a Lauren line. Yep. So he's just like, hey, I'm going to go back to being the mayor of Los Angeles because I'm the mayor of Los Angeles now. Yeah. And you know what? Nobody disagrees with it. And everybody's like, yep, makes sense to me. We all like that Silver Lake guy. He's really nice. He seems to know that man with the pointy hair. They both have pointy and, hair. And the, well, one of them has a caveman brow, one of them has horns. Yeah. But as you remember from After the Fall, Volume 1 of Angel Season 6. Such a long name. Nah, I'm, just, I'm trying to make it as long as I can. Angel, Gwen, and Connor came across 
a bunch of bodies that have been drained and someone had written in primordial Sanskrit on the wall and their blood and Angel's still trying to figure out who's this vampire that did it. So <clears throat> basically they take out the dragon to go look. Including Illyria and they decide that they can't bring Wesley because he's going to trigger her to turn into Fred and they don't fully trust Wesley so they leave Spike to babysit him. Pretty much. Because Illyria won't let him out of somebody's sight at this point now that she knows that he exists again which is sweet and odd but I like that... Spike has to babysit him. And this is this was another one of my favorite moments from this. Spike and Wes are always two characters I wish interacted more in the show, mostly because I like their personalities. I think they play well off of one another, but they didn't get a ton of one-on-one time because most of Spike's time on the show is spent going, Angel, you're stupid. Right. And so they have a minute here where they're talking, and Spike basically is like, look, I don't really know what you are, but if you go anywhere near hurting Fred... I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll find a way to kill you. And Wes is basically like, off the record, I couldn't be more grateful for that. And we've talked about it on the show, but just how great the Spike and Fred relationship was. And I love how Wes knows that he's kind of at a point where he is not going to be the most effective person. And he puts his trust in Spike. I find that charming. That was probably my most charmed moment in this book. So everyone hops a ride on the magic dragon. We're all having fun. And so Angel's like, Connor, take me to the most powerful vampire that you've come across. In all of hell, he's like, well, Spike's right there. He's like, shut up, Connor. It's not what happened, but it's what he should have done. <laughs> it would have been way funnier, actually. <laughs> but no, so... Just emasculate Angel in front of everyone. So Connor takes him to this ridiculous dressed-up character... He's kind of this, like, Victorian vampire who has this over-the-top dialogue. He wears, like, like, breeches and knee boots. Titans do clash, and an angel shall fall. And he'll hit some once, and the guy's out. <laughs> right. And this angel is a human, so this guy sucks. Pretty much. And so, after they deal with him, Angel's like, Okay, Connor, seriously, that was not, that could not have been the most powerful vampire that you've run across. And he's like... Well, Dad, uh, we all kind of noticed that you aren't quite what you used to be back in the day. Look, you're getting old. Like, so we like didn't want to put you in real danger, so we brought you to this guy. <sighs> Look, we don't know why you've been acting like this. And Illyria, being super helpful, just pops up and goes, It's because he's no longer a vampire. So everyone's shocked by this. I'm like, like, wait, who's a what now? And he's like, well... We're all so demons we'll here, buddy. Kind of made me a human just to make everybody miserable. And Connor goes off. He's like, Yeah, you've been on these weird suicide missions. You've been going all out, like harder than you ever have. And you're doing it as human. And he leaves. He's like, I don't need to be around while you kill yourself. Right. So the people that went with him, um, Gwen and Nina are also there. Gwen says, I'll go get Connor. It also came out earlier in this issue. We didn't, in this story, we didn't bring it up because it hasn't come up before. Connor mentions offhand, he's like, Oh, yeah, by the way, Gwen and I are kind of seeing each other, but we can't touch, so that's messed up. Yeah. So it's like, ah, sweet. But also, like, again, with the terribly different ages. Because while Gwen is young, she's still, like, mid-20s. And Connor's still, like... Oh, he's in college. 18. Yeah, 18, 19. By this, probably 19. And she leaves, and Angel asks, And since Illyria can sense vampires... And also not vampires, apparently. Angel uses her like a hound and says, Okay, Illyria, 
go find the strongest vampire in hell. And she goes, but Spike's over there. Again, doesn't happen. But would be clever. I wish Illyria had more of a sense of humor. Then she wouldn't be Illyria. I know. Then she'd be Fred again. So speaking of vampires in hell, what a great name for a metal album. Is it? Yes. Okay. So as previously mentioned, speaking of vampires in hell, we go find Gunn. And Gunn is with George, and he's trying to get George to step up his game. Right. So George can telepathically communicate with people. But now he's trying to get George to telepathically control people. So he sticks George in the basement the gun has with three slayers who we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them die and come back. And it comes out here that they're stuck in a time loop. Right. So that makes sense. So basically, these slayers are going to kill George unless George can telepathically command the three of them to stop. So... They attack George. They attack George? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you attack the flying fish? And George stops them. Mind you, George does not know that they are in a time loop. And so Gunn attacks one of the slayers with a sword and... Kills her. And kills her. And George is like, I have to let her go. I have to let her defend herself. She can, she wants to scream. And Gunn was like, you do that and she's going to kill you. So then George telepathically gets her mind inside of Gunn's head and lets her just scream as she's dying in his brain. Yep. It, Gunn's a little shaken by it, but he's... He's like, impressed with George's power, but he's a little shaken by the fact that George can not only get in his head, but that he can bring other people's minds into his head. And he says, we have to go upstairs. It happens outside in the snow. Mm-hmm. So they go upstairs, and we get a lovely little callback to some past books. Yeah, remember that book where Spike was in that asylum? It might have been called Spike Padded Room. Yes, it was. Mm. Wait, what was the asylum called? Oh, God did I leave that? I don't remember. I think I might have left that in the show. We did that forever. Mosaic. <laughs> Mosaic? Mosaic. So George reaches out to Beck in Mosaic. He's like, hey, Los Angeles is in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta help. And Beck's like... Actually, no. He says, seriously, this guy's nanners talking about <laughs> gun. If I had to send out an SOS message, probably would not include the word nanners, but why not? Mine would. Yours would. I'd be like making a deep pull reference to Angel After the Vol Volume 3 and no one would get it. Maybe at this point I would. Oh, good. Oh, good. If I said the word nanners. I'd be like, not good. Get him out of wherever he is. <laughs> he said nanners. <laughs> Once we find out that Beck hears that this guy is in fact nanners, she turns on the TV and sees that Los Angeles appears to be fine. To the outside world, nothing has changed. There's an illusion up there. And so... Gun goes, I had the same reaction. It's like, don't worry about it. I've seen it beginning to end. And George is like, I'm going to back away slowly, crazy man. Right. Gun is, as they say, nanners. So <laughs> it does make his dialogue wasted. a little confusing to understand. Something we were talking about this off show. I l- that especially so fancy to say that we talk about things off show. Once or twice we have talked outside of the show. <laughs> Weird. But especially in this next issue, I really like, I love this book and I really just want to praise how well it captures the characters' voices. But I think more than everyone else, the character that captures best is Gunn. Because it's not just telling another story about Gunn, it's moving his character forward. Same goes for Illyria, actually. But characters who jump forward more than the rest in development, it's not just their old voices, same old kind of stuff. 
It's not Spike's stupid Britishisms that are not overused in these books, thankfully. Much better. But to move a character forward and still sound the same is impressive. So we see the dragon come flying across the rooftops. I like to think of it as the horizon. Okay. And we have our first character meetup in this little graphic novel. We have Well, a bunch of people have met. <sighs> you know what I but mean. But it's the first time Angel sees Gun. Angel sees Gun and Gun sees Angel, and they both know that they know of each other's existence now. Because everyone thought that Gun was dead. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time, really, we see that Gun's plan is faltering a little bit. Because he seems to be kind of in control of everything up until this point. But here he's saying that it's not... That's not how he meant for the Angel interaction to yeah, happen. Yeah, this isn't when he was supposed to meet Angel. Yeah. Something else is supposed to happen up in the snow. So Angel jumps off the dragon. Lyria turns back into Fred. And she's like, it's so exciting that everyone's all back together. Isn't that neat? And Angel's like, cool. Nina, get her out of here. Dragon, you want to warm everyone up for me a touch? Because I suck right now. Yeah, that's a clever pun. Angel's like, okay, Gun, um, I don't know what's happening here, but we need to kill some vampires real quick. And all of a sudden... Angel's about to get bitten by a toasty vampire. And Gun turns on Vamp Face and stakes him. Stakes him good. Stakes the vampire, not Angel, just so we're clear. Because Angel is a human. And Angel is like, oh, not good. You are a vampire now. That is very not good. Cool. Not his dialogue, but close. Not really. There's a lot of words on that page. He doesn't say anything. He just looks at him. And Gun, and thank you, inner monologue, because it really helps with Angel here. But Gun's like, hey, we got a thing to do. Why don't you come on in with me? And Angel, he says a little more than that, but Angel's like, he's clearly Nanners. Off his rocker. He's he's clearly Nanners, and he's trying very hard to stay in control, but he's about to freak out. I definitely shouldn't go with the Nanners guy. So he goes, all right, sounds good. Yeah, because he's an idiot. Pretty much. Nina and Fred make it back to the Hyperion, tell everyone that Gunn is back and alive, or in this case, back and dead. Yep. But basically, they're like, if Gunn's back, we need to go, like... We need to figure out what's happening here. So they all ride on the dragon again. Everyone looks like mashed potatoes. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. These, it's real mushy faces. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like if they got like the stand-in actors when they're blocking a scene to actually be the ones filmed. Yeah, it's just an odd look. But we go back to Angel, and Angel's having a tough time walking around in this place. Like, he's smelling a rotting corpse which George has seen before, and Gunn starts posturing to everyone around him, like, go secure the perimeter, because all these other guys are dead, and they're like, what are you, secure the perimeter, what are you talking about? He's like, shut up, do it! And we see on the wall that Gunn apparently has gone to Kinko's and blown up a, like, <laughs> six-by-eight photo into being this <laughs> massive poster-sized thing of everyone with baby Connor, but he's placed his, taped a photo of himself over Angel's face. It's pretty great. It's pretty... I like a lot of this book. That's real stupid. No, I like it. It shows how nannersy really is. Because <laughs> go big or go home on the weird. Gunn was already in that photo. He cropped himself out and then cut a separate picture out, put it on top of Angel, and took what was like maybe a six by eight photo and blew it up to poster size. Six by eight is kind of a big picture. Okay, it was a four by six or whatever. Better. Yeah, more normal. 8 by 10? So, I don't know. So, Angel and Gunn are having an odd conversation where basically 
Angel's like, you don't think that it's changed you, but I promise, I promise, you are a vampire. You have no soul. Things are going very weird here. I can help you, but and Gun's like, no, it's cool. Gun's like, just kidding. Because I got visions. I have the visions now because I killed this thing, but I keep it up on my wall. Yeah, well, just for memory's sake. So Gun is telling Angel a story, and then we see over Gun's dialogue, we see what actually happened, and a lot of it lines up. He's like. These other vampires, they had this demon imprisoned, but they knew what was going to go down in the alley before it ever happened. So they saved me right at the exact time, but the visions didn't tell them everything. I killed their leader, took over. He goes, and then I went to free the prisoner, meaning the demon that they took the visions from. And Gun's like, it was too late, though. And it just shows him, it's like, I tried my best, but it shows him feeding on this demon. Yeah. So Gun is lying to Angel. I love it. And he gets the visions from him. And Angel's like, maybe you could bury him. Because it's an idea. Or maybe just put a drape over him. Yeah. Gun is a sick man right now. Gun is very sick. And this is where Gun, his grand plan shifts a little bit. And he asks for Angel's help. He's like, look, originally you had to die, but instead... Help me. Let's save LA together. Also, amazing art of Gun. Mm-hmm. This whole page... Yeah, this is some of the best art in this whole book, is this one panel again. It's so it looks perfect. And it has this like weird glint in his eye too. Like he looks a little off. He's like, Let's do it, man. Yeah. Let's do it together, brother. Alright. And Angel's like, Yeah, sure, let's save Los Angeles, but first why don't we uh scoot on out of here, Nanners? <laughs> and he's like, No and then he starts to beat up Angel. Just to clear, my new name for gun is now Nanners. <laughs> Nanners. For now and forever, he will be known as Nanners. Nanners. When you read it on the page, it's one thing. When you say it out loud, it takes <laughs> it's a really whole new It's really fun life. to say. I can see why George felt the need to put it in his message now, but. So Angel goes to Nanners and said, all right, we need to leave. And Gunn's like, wait, no, you're you're not with me. You're just, you're lying. Like, why will no one just believe me and go along that I'm right and I will save us all? He goes, I'm still the hero. So he beats up Angel. Because that's what heroes do. Because isn't that what we all want to do? Beat up Angel. Sometimes. And the fight goes, what's the opposite of swimmingly? Like a lead balloon. Okay. Soaringly. It goes soaringly. Meaning bad. (laughs) The opposite of swimmingly. And Angel's like, look, Gun, let's be super honest here. If If the powers that be were the ones who were giving you these visions, because Gun's like, no... I'm totally right, because I'm still getting these visions, and they have to be from the powers that be. And Angel's like, yeah, they definitely wouldn't be sending you visions to Nanner's town. Yeah, and Angel's like, okay, so the second that have that I demon... Have that enough yet? I think so. I think no. we have. I disagree. Just wanted to check, though. <laughs> so... They wouldn't be sending visions to an evil demon. Right. And Gun and, says... And when the demon was caught, and definitely evil demons started using them, they would have taken the visions away. So Gun. His retort is to stab an Angel with a giant sword. Mm-hmm. Like, through the back. And then he's like, wait, you're just a human! Well, not only does he stab Angel, he has a special little amulet with him that takes away any magical spells that have been used recently, so all of the magic that Angel has used to heal his broken spine and his broken legs and his other stab and punch wounds all disappear, and Angel is paralyzed Pretty again. Much. Like, he's not getting up from this. This isn't something you're going to walk off. And the other spell that's removed is the glamour that he's still a vampire. Right. And so it's just very clear to everybody now at this point that Angel is a human. 
And Angel is dying. And rapidly. Gu- and Guns and Rage, she's like, I'm going to let you die. But before you do, I want you to know one thing. I found her first. Is this where Ray J got that idea for that diss song towards Kanye? I have no idea what you're talking about. So we cut over to the ugliest art in this book and of all of the books we're going to talk about. Which is funny because it's on the same page as some incredibly realistic gun panels. Yeah, and then we cut over to Gwen, Spike, and Connor, and it looks like everyone's wearing a turtleneck. Boo to turtleneck. I, I don't think they are. It's just... And usually, especially in art, because I realize I have no artistic talent, and the amount of time... And I love comic art, and the time and effort, and especially a guy like this who is amazing. Some of the best art in this whole series is done by this guy. But these two panels, which are also just copied over digitally, they felt the need to use the same panel twice is truly awful like no one you know how i said before some of the bad panels are like yeah they have facial features they don't even get those here like they don't even get like eyes nose mouths they're just splotches on faces that have no inking or shading or depth it's really not it's terrible it's just especially jarring because it's next to some really awesome gun stuff it is like we've been going on a pretty good streak of Especially on gun, man. This guy can draw a gun. This guy can draw Wes and this guy and Spike, actually. Wes, gun, and Spike usually all look amazing. Like their, Totally. Their face on uh, someone who's coming up. But he can really hit a couple characters insanely well. And then we get these flat, nothing panels. Sorry to be dwelling on it for so long, but it really stands out. It does. But... We see them, and basically Connor's like, all right, so we got to go save Angel. And the lightning starts shooting through the sky, and the herd that Gunn was referring to is he got to Gwen first, and she just says, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And as every issue in the series does, we end with a cliffhanger. Yep. Because that's tradition. But we cut right back, and Gwen is electrifying everything. Gwen takes out the dragon, and Connor is confused. He's like, what is going on spike's like being betrayed happens all the time welcome to our world and he questions like oh could you actually not touch me or do i just disgust you that much and she's like no i fell in love with you and usually the art and the dialogue fit really well in a book but this is a panel that's always bugged me we see that spike is rushing at gwen and you imagine that he is like they were not far apart a couple of feet so spike rushes her with a sword and you'd imagine in that you know, how much space he has to travel. He wouldn't have time for a lot of words. He says a lot of words He has, like, there. an entire speech. And Gwen tells him to shut up. And just shoots him off a roof. Yeah, luckily he's a vampire. And Connor goes, don't make me give Cordelia the okay to eat you. And she goes, Cordelia, who's... And the dragon rises like a phoenix from the ashes. I almost said grave and I switched to ashes. Grashes! <laughs> but I'm glad you switched. And Gwen just goes, good boy, good Cordy? Yeah, we cut back to Angel. And he's fine. And he's saying a lot of things. He's super chatty. And he's kind of recounting what's happened to him. He's like, I jumped off a building. And then they turned me into a human. And I kind of broke everything. And there was this dragon around. And I was in, like, the most blinding pain I've ever been in. And to kind of get over it, I thought about you. So I kept on saying your name. Isn't that kind of weird and and you just see somebody say completely and we turn the page it's cordelia uh and she looks 
perfect. It's so, I love it. She's just kind of hanging out on this couch. They don't mess around with the Cordy stuff. And the, she looks exactly right. The art on her is perfect. There's a couple of shots of her that are definitely photo reference shots. The facial expressions are exactly what the actress would do. I love the art and the voice is perfect. Some characters, if they get started out, it might not be exactly the character's voice right out of the gate. They don't have Cordelia a lot and the voice is 100% Cordelia. And they have her long hair back. It's a little thing, like the, but I like the long hair I know, I like It looks like kind of season one Cordelia again. Yeah. And Cordelia's there and she's Angel's having an out-of-body experience. He's like, oh, right, dying. Yeah, so you're here for a good reason, right? And she's like, well, kind of. And we basically find out that Cordelia's there because that's the last thing that she can do for him. Like, they can't, she can't help, she can't affect anything. And it took all of the, her energy to get there. And she is there to help Angel move on. And that's her one purpose. So Gunn is dragging Angel's body around. And he's about to die. We cut back to the Hyperion and we see that Fred is flipping through these books. She's like, it won't do. It won't do at all. I'm like, nothing, 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 nothing. And Nina just looks at Wes. She's like, well, what's going on here? Is she Nanners? Yes, she nanners. That's what Nina says. And Wes is like, no, that's what that's what Fred would have done. Fred would have found an answer in a book, and she doesn't even know what she's looking for. She doesn't even know what the problem is. But yeah, this is the first but time. But she's looking in a book. And we've had hints, like when Illyria was fighting Non and her women, that there was nothing human in there. And we've had hints and some kind of subtlety to it, but it's not said out loud. But this is the. Well, not said directly, but this is the first time that we find out that Fred's still dead. It was never her. Mm-hmm. And Illyria has just been reacting emotionally to Wesley's death, and she's just trying to, doesn't know what to do, so she goes to the one thing that she does know and tries to go with what Fred would do and connect with that side of it to try and cope with a death, something that in her entire lifetime she's never had to deal with. Millennia is old, and she's never had to deal with death. It's really sad. And and Wes... and it and we didn't know this. There was this hope that Fred was back, mm-hmm. and she's not. She's not there. No, and Wes Wes vanishes. He's pulled away by Wolfram and Hart, and immediately Fred turns back into Illyria. Oh, Illyria turns back into Illyria, but right. Okay, immediately she, she goes, Illyria. She goes back to reappears the Illyria, as Illyria, and she chokes out Nina. She's like. You will bring him back. I demand it. And that's all the dialogue on that one page. And Illyria just says, you know what? Screw it. You're an idiot. I'll go find him myself. And punches a wall through the Hyperion. Literally the second one hole that she's punched through. Angel's like, use a door. And she's like, no, bitch, I won't. Nina's like, we don't know where he is. And she goes, yes, we do. And what I love here, and it's very subtle, is we see Illyria stepping out. Over the lot, and we see Los Angeles, so we can see the dragon far in the background and the lighting shooting around the dragon. Pretty clear indicator of where everyone is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going off of an old memory here, but we see a billboard for what I think was either a project that didn't get off the ground or it was a mini series of a nun with samurai swords, which was something over at IDW. I don't remember if it happened or not. If you asked me 10 years ago, I could have told you, but my brain's not what it used to be. Because you're so old. I'm an old man now. But we get one small reference that doesn't get brought up a lot anymore. Illyria passes Doyle Street. Yeah. 
this is a small reference. I don't think there's been anything since this. That's sad. Yeah. And we cut back to Guns, to Nanner's lair. Mm-hmm. And Wesley appears. And Wes and Gunn have their first interaction. I love it, because these guys were best friends, mm-hmm. and they're still so natural together. Wesley. Charles. Vampire. Ghost. Sucks. Truly. <laughs> uh, it's like that they're both, one's definitely evil, one is questionably evil. I mean, we know he's not, but... But, to be fair, he doesn't even know if he's not evil yet or not. He's just, he's cautious about his own self. Yeah, and then Wes sees Angel, he's like, what the hell, man? What did you do? And Wesley tries to pull the sword out of Angel. I'm mimicking trying to pull a sword out. I gotta use my hands when I talk. Well, you are as effective at it as Wesley. Because his hand just passes through. He's like, why did you bring me here to see this? I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And Cordelia feels bad for Wesley. Just because he's wearing an ugly suit, though. Yes, because she's wearing an <laughs> I ugly love suit. It. It's such a Cordelia reaction. She's like, poor Wesley. And Angel's like, I know, he feels useless. I was talking more about the return to the men's warehouse wardrobe. But yeah, the useless thing. Totally almost... Or a little more than worse. Yep. Oh, Cordelia. Oh, Cordelia. It's nice to have you back for half a second. And Wesley receives an inter-office memo from Wolfram and Hart. (laughs) He does. And this is a little bit weak here. And I understand they were kind of... Backpedaling. um, Well, they were kind of... Wrote themselves into a corner accidentally by not knowing that the story was going to continue. So... Cutting back to the Angel TV show, there was something called the Shanshu Prophecy that kind of drove... The entire show? Yeah, I was going to say most of the plot lines, but that works too. Where there was a prophecy that a vampire with a soul, hashtag Angel, would have a key role in the apocalypse for good or for evil and would win his humanity back because of it. And in the last episode... Angel was handed the Shan's true prophecy, and he signed in blood that he would sign away that future. And that kind of ended that storyline, but they that they, they kind of had to. Yeah. With, with the kind of premature end of the show. So the way to work around Angel signing away that prophecy is Wesley kind of pops up and goes, oh, they never filed it, so it's still on. Like, Basically, it got burned up in the I'm whole like, Ooh, that is... transition period to hell. That is a weak, weak excuse. But, I, but I mean, what are you going to do at that point? Yeah, like they, we'll roll with it. <laughs> they what can you do? They ended that storyline and then had to continue it. And Gunn's like, well, maybe it's about me. He's like, yeah, shut up, Nanners. It's not about you. You don't have a soul, so <laughs> no. He's like, vampire with a soul, vampire with soul. It's all the same thing. Everybody's like, definitely not the same thing. And Wesley's just like, just so we're clear... I'm here to give you all the exposition you need to understand this story. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of cracks his knuckles, even though he doesn't have any. He goes, all right, let's go. So, quick summary. Um, everything is all about Angel. Everyone was moved like a chess piece to mess with Angel. You getting turned into a vampire, you getting visions. That's all Wolf from Heart messing with Angel. Me being back, messing with Angel. Everyone knowing who Connor is, messing with Angel. Everything everywhere is messing with Angel. And this is all to push the prophecy in the right direction, so we'd appreciate you not murdering him right now. Because they have done a lot of work. Right. And if Gunn murders him right now, it really, really... Screws up that prophecy. Yeah. So Wesley goes up to Angel, 
and he shows him a vision of the future. He says, the reason the senior partner spot for this so long is because there isn't a question in their mind whether you're going to fight for the side of good or evil in the apocalypse. They already know. And here's the vision of it. And he, he does his epic Wolferman Heart dialogue. The Shanshu prophecy carried out before your eyes. It is written. It has been witnessed. It is inevitable. And this is like massive, bold lettering. But then very small. I'm sorry, my friend. We don't do this a lot in this book. I think there's only been one occurrence of this so far. But we get our second two-page spread in the series. And it's Angel as a vampire over a field of bodies. And he's... And blood is dripping from his face and his hands. His and there's heads are... on spikes. and So many heads on spikes. Like That would take a lot of time to put that many heads on spikes. At least 50 heads. Yeah. And he's smiling and he's over this whole field of bodies. Although... Okay, it's meant to... Wolfram and Hart interpreted this as necessarily evil. I don't know if it's necessarily evil. It's not good. Well, we're also buying that Wolfram and Hart is telling the truth here. Yeah, that's true. There's also just some flames in the background. And some lightning. It's very epic. It's a really great... It's a beautiful-looking two-page spread if you can... If heads on spikes (laughs) come off as beautiful to you, but it's a well-done spread. It is. It's really great, and the coloring is great, too. And Angel, who's with Cordelia... Rolls a single tear. It's very sad. In these next couple of panels, there's only four panels on this page, and most of them are kind of off-kilter to show that, like, Angel's world is just... I love it. It's a great visual. Just showing these panels that are almost at a diagonal. They're at, like, maybe, like, a 25-degree angle. Mm-hmm. And the Angel, who's like, I can't go. I gotta fight to Cordelia this whole time. And she's like, no, you gotta go. And he sees this, and he just says, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And it's to be continued, so... Next time. Next time. But next time's the last time. Hmm. Well, not for the show. <laughs> but... I was gonna say. For the... Yeah, next episode, we wrap up the story, and we wrap it up in a very epic manner. As Angel normally does. Yeah, I mean, and for me, as much as the finale for the show really worked, the finale for kind of... Because after that, we kind of go off in a separate direction. Which is fine, I want to go do a different thing, but really, I mean, this is so tightly tied in with the show compared to the next time we see Angel. This is, next time is really the finale for that years-long running story. But we'll do that next week. Or if you want to catch it a week early, you can go over to a Patreon and throw a buck our way to get the episode. Yay, Patreon! Because that's how that works. Just a dollar. A dollar for your time. Where can they find us? Over on editorsnotecomics.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you like the sound of my docile tones, you can also listen to my other show, the Editor's Note Comics Podcast, a weekly news and topical show. But you get Jared instead of me. And you can also find me at my store at 210 Water Street in Hollowell, Maine. We'll see you next time. (laughs) You're like, yeah, those are places. I guess, sure. (laughs) I know them well. Next week, the conclusion. Bye.